TR shocks the world again. Guys, welcome to the pilot episode of TR Shocks the World. At least that's the working title this week. Of course, I'm Ray Russell, and joining me is the man himself, TR himself. Welcome, welcome back to the airwaves, TR Tom Robinson. What's happening, Double R? Nice intro. <laughs> a little bit of uh, hair metal into uh, some blues or some some bass or something I, I heard there. I like the intro a lot. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I just kind of put it all together, slapped it all together yesterday during the pre-show to Fastlane, which it's kind of funny because we're going to be talking all about Fastlane today, Tom. Fastlane, kayfabe, it wasn't yesterday. Um, oh, no, kayfabe. no, it just happened it. five minutes ago. It's the day after. Yeah. <laughs> Should tell everybody, discretion advised here on TR Shocks the World, just in case you guys aren't familiar with Tom and all of his work in the past. He's quite the funny, funny man, I must say myself, but... Everybody doesn't always agree with all of your opinions, Tom, and I love them personally. I, I don't take everything literal at all times, even when I should, I suppose, and uh, that's why I'm happy to have you here, and we're doing this show right now. Happy to be here, sitting in a chair with the big guy. And so I guess uh, you got anything you want to say to everybody when, before we get going here with Fastlane? Uh, my name's Tom. I'm an alcoholic. Um, there you go. No, I'm just kidding. That's an AA introduction for those in the 12-stepper. I'm good. <laughs> I, uh, I drink about every two weeks. Uh, I know I was portrayed as a uh, <laughs> problematic, show-wrecking, Foster Brooks drinking oh, um, man, that's uh, old in the past, but that's a little bit exaggerated for the benefit of the other party. But hey, they're doing well, so God bless them. I still listen to Jim Cornette Experience, Jim Cornette drive Through, et cetera, et cetera. So God bless. Yeah, I don't know if I could live without listening to Corny from time to time. Quite the entertainment is Jim Cornette for sure. Yeah, I don't agree with him much. Um, and it sucks because I'm old friends, I guess, friendly acquaintance in this wrestling thing. You can never really uh, call someone a friend unless you're kind of in their daily life. But, I mean, the last time we talked, we were cool. and uh, But his opinions are very different than mine. I just love Jim for his knowledge <laughs> in the history of the business and things like that. And uh, obviously, he can make you laugh, too. Yeah, I mean, when he's on, especially what you said, historically, I mean, there's, what, maybe a handful of people like him that have that kind of knowledge, that kind of collections and so forth, so hats off to him. Sorry to go sideways on you like that already. Dude, we can do whatever you want to do here. These people love listening to Tom Robinson. That's why you're back, and that's <laughs> so whatever you got to say, we're listening. I'm listening. I'm having a good time already, uh, but we can talk fast lane if you want to get to the fast lane pay-per-view happened. Uh, Five minutes ago, <laughs> I put some air quotes around there, though, Tom. It was at Tropicana Field in St. Pete, the Thunder, Thunder, Thunderdome, if you will. And uh, I think you caught the pre-show. Did you catch the pre-show match? Yeah, that was uh, Bro against uh, Muhammad Atta. Uh, well, I call him Mustafa Ali, but he claims that it's pronounced Mustafa Ali. So, I don't know. I think it sounds better the other way, but who am I to tell him how to say his name? Yeah, I mean... He must have uh, uh, forgot to pray the sixth time yesterday because the finish didn't go his way, did it? 
I, I suppose not. Of course, this U.S. champion Riddle, bro, uh, used to be Matt Riddle, but Vince said, uh-uh, pal, we don't do first names here. And so it's Riddle and Mustafa, who actually was Ali at one point, and then he got his first name back for whatever reason. Of course, Retribution at ringside with him. This is actually was the re-rematch. I guess Ali had won a non-title match over Riddle on TV, and then they had a title match on TV, which Riddle won. And then come Friday, before the pay-per-view, Vince realized, hey, we need more filler on the pay-per-view, pal. So they booked this match, a rubber match, so to speak, between the two here on the pre-show. Ali got a lot of near falls in here, but it was the Bro Derek. Uh, shout out to the 1970s, by the way, Bo Derek. Thank you uh, for, for saying that. But absolutely. The Bro Derek off the middle rope. And Bro Riddle gets the win here in about nine and a half minutes. Yeah, the Bro Derek. Uh, like, I don't know who named that finish, but I'm 51. And, you know, that that was like tailor-made for guys my age and and older you're like really tipping your toe of, of knowledge at your age to know who uh, Bo Derek was. She had a, she was 10 for anybody who's of normal age. She was the perfect 10, but not baby doll. Um, back in the day, an actress who come running out of the ocean with dreads and big cheekbones and a big old forehead that would be perfect for a bukkake. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, the bro Derek to get me back on subject, that's, a bit of a dated reference. Who do you think came up with it? Was it like a Shawn Michaels thing or something? Shawn's got, got to be that age. He could have came up with that. He's working in the NXT department. I can't see Riddle, although I don't know, bro. You know, just knowing Riddle, who knows what he was doing? You know, who what he was smoking that day when he came up with that. So could have been a little bit of anything there. But he did get the win. He retained the title. So Mustafali continues that losing streak. And then post-match, finally it happens. I've been waiting for this since the beginning. Uh, Retribution basically leave Ali. Well, most of them leave and... He decides he's going to keep pushing around the two big guys. I, th- I believe one was Dio Mad and the other one Donovan Dijakovic. And they wind up nailing a double choke slam, basically dismantling the entire retribution once and for all, finally. Is that, is that the end game? Um, they're all broken up now. Is that the deal? It's hard to say without watching Raw, but going into the pay-per-view, I read that they were splitting him up. Dijakovic was growing his hair back, quote-unquote, I read online, and... The idea was there if they weren't going to split them up, they were going to do something completely different with the with the group. And so clearly it looks like Ali's either out of the group or he's going to go form a new group. I don't really know. Obviously, uh, by the time this makes air, we may there may be something new on Raw. But uh, b- based on what I read, it was they were, they were definitely splitting this particular retribution up anyway. Yeah, that that whole thing was weird. But I hated uh, Dijak, the Kovac, whatever the hell, Kojak. What's mm-hmm. his name? Dijakovic, uh, according to that's what Vince yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dijakovic. Um, I hated him in NXT and ROH and all that, but dude, he's funny as hell on Twitter. Did you ever read some of his tweets? I've seen him post his uh, T bar or whatever hell name he's going by there yeah. in retribution. Yeah, T-bar. I had never seen anything he he posted until he became T bar, but then they started popping up on my Twitter feed after that. T bar's actually got a good sense of humor, so I, you know, I'm starting to like the dude. Hopefully, he'll get a a reason or a way to talk because he's he's got size and so forth and he's got a very dry sense of humor which always pops me on twitter when he he gets in the gets in the grill of some of the some of the boys from the other territory so to speak aew what have you right and uh it's kind of a douchebag which i like (laughs) well that'll get you over yeah exactly got him over with me and uh i i just hate that fucking ollie dude um there's no real reason. It's, I mean, he's a little, 
good worker from Chicago, I guess, if you're into good workers. Um, he does. I, I heard he was with freelance wrestling and he was a cop and he was this and he's that. He's just 205 Live to me. I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that Kofi actually, if that was a legit story, that Kofi got that spot because that would have been a horrible journey for me to watch unless it was a crown jewel match or something. It but, certainly seemed that way, that, that that was the way they were going with Ali. God, that would have been awful. And so was this. So uh, the least, I, I, I could care less if Ali came or went, but I mean, who am I? I'm just a uh, former indie schlub, so what do I know? <laughs> We move on to the actual pay-per-view portion of Fast Lane, and to kick things off, I was actually surprised with the women's tag team match, the win- tag team title match, because there's no other women's matches on the show, so I felt like they would have purposely pushed this way deeper into the card. Got to get them women equal rights here. It's uh, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, the tag team champions, with Reginald, who was handling the services of, um, what's her fucking name? Carmella. Oh, oh Carmella, yeah. yeah. Who was taking the care of the services of Carmella, and now he's like left Carmella and joined this group of uh, Jackson Baszler. They take on Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair, who are scheduled to wrestle each other at WrestleMania. So you know something's up here going in, but sometimes you have to do these things. I think anyway, Tom, that sometimes even though you can see it coming just to tell that part of the story, you got to do things like this here where they have the match. I don't know why the girls are teaming. Now that part I don't understand, but the post-match stuff, it made sense. and You kind of saw it coming before the match even happened. But before we get to that, it was Botchamania during the match, especially thanks to Nia Jax as usual. What is your take? I got to hear this. What is your take on Nia Jax? Uh, I wouldn't want to give her oral sex. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm just shooting. This is the kind of stuff I say to uh, my on-again, <laughs> off-again girlfriend when we watch wrestling. Uh, uh, I just talk from what people think or what deranged people think, I just kind of say so. You know, sorry for any personal feelings that are hurt, but a big fatso uh, punches Becky in the face. Uh, just how many people has she hurt? Oh, I think about I that every time she wrestles. How many people has she hurt? And it I continues. Just, I just think her gear must stink. That's <laughs> my biggest conclusion. Um, I think it was a good idea, believe it or not, now that I buried her to put her over a little bit. Not really put her over, but I think it was a good I don't want to say idea, but it was a good thought to put her and Shayna together because they were kind of just floundering into nothing. And uh, at least that gave them something to do. Uh, I was a little disappointed because I've always been, I was quoted before on one podcast as saying I would let Sasha Banks shit on my chest uh, because I was so attracted to her. I kind of didn't feel that last night. She kind of looked like she had zombie makeup on and, uh, you know, she. I don't care about her work rate, really, even though she's, you know, a good worker and all that. But uh, I don't know. She Maybe I'm just growing older and more mature. Oh, is that what it is? I hope not. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> usually, she, you know, every entrance. Uh, see, I like her for strange reasons because I'll go into this weird psychological babble. She was a wrestling fan as a, as a child. Mm-hmm. She has a uh, a brother who's autistic, I believe. I think it was just those two who moved around Boston, Minnesota, yada, yada, yada. Kind of a tomboy, not attractive, uh, so to speak, not the popular girl in high school, and kind of became more attractive, more athletic as she got into professional wrestling. 
And she's got that kind of body. Like uh, at 51, a lot of women let themselves go. And when you get a nice skinny broad with good genetics that has that little butt popping out, and I know, I don't know if Mike Mills listens to this, to this show, but Mike Mills was into her too. I think we fought over her in our <laughs> fantasy, um, you know, fantasy life. But yeah, she's got a nice little butt to pop out, and she's always working out and so forth. And yeah, I, I really liked her, but last night something was off. I hope she's not going downhill, and I hope Reginald Denny didn't already hit that or Comet or Callisto <laughs> or whoever the hell she's always in pictures with. <laughs> oh man, absolutely not. I hope not too. I tell you what, I was scared for Sasha and Belair's life at points during this match when they were in the ring with Nia. They did a spot early on. Sasha tried a Rana on Nia Jax and actually delivered it uh, over to the side. I was really scared. Like, who would call this spot with Nia Jax? You have to trust her to flip her entire body over top of you. And Sasha, she's a she's a petite girl. I mean, she's you know skinny wise anyway. She's kind of tall, but man, that's that's a scary thing. And then later on in the match, they did another spot where. Sasha tries a tornado DDT on Baszler by running up Nia Jax. It makes sense. Nia's like a, a fucking tree. But but Nia played it off like she took a bump from it, and she kind of turns around and walks towards the ropes and climbs out of the ring and bumps to the floor. And it's at this point I say this every fucking time I review a pay-per-view, Tom, and I'm, I'm sure you've never heard it yet, but I'm going to say it now. I can't wait for The Rock's daughter to get called up so they have a reason to fire this fucking bitch. I just, I just, she needs to be off my fucking TV screen. She shouldn't be here. She's hurting people. She's unathletic. Has nothing to do with her size. Look at other women that have come. Look at Bull Nakano. She was fucking awesome. And yes, like I'm sitting there watching like freaking Bertha Faye, you know, uh, Monster Ripper by the time she was Bertha Faye, like however big she wasn't. She's taking German suplexes from Alundra Blaze and getting over without trouble. So these other girls are larger. And more athletic than Nia Jax. She has not an athletic bone in her body. She's going to hurt somebody. She looks awful. It looks fake. It looks like garbage. And I just can't wait for the day the Rock's daughter gets called up and they don't owe anything to Nia Jax anymore. Yeah, so the uh, the Islander diversity can be filled and check that off. But um, yeah, Nia, uh, I'm not a big fan. And, and what I hate is uh, it's mostly from the females that watch wrestling in my presence, they're all like, she's so pretty though. Like, what are you watching? Yeah. I mean, I do what are they have, basing I, that on. I did have cataracts, but I mean, pretty is not the word that comes to mind when I look at one Nia Jax, but you were, you were mentioning examples of, of bigger women. Let's just say politically correct, I guess. Right. Um, is that how you say it now without saying fatso? I don't know, but I don't know. Big, big fatso broads. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that dude in AEW is big, uh, Nyla Rose. That and, dude, yeah. You know, so, you know, he has a, definitely has an athletic bone in his body. Give me a drum roll. Anyhow, <laughs> I actually fucked that up. I, you know what I meant. The, uh... Yeah. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Anyhow, enough of, of, enough of Nyla and Nia and all that. Um you didn't like the match, I imagine. It was there. It wasn't good. It was very sloppy. I don't blame the one team. I only blame the other team. And yeah, I'm sure you can figure out which team that was. In the finish, uh, Bel Air hit the 450 splash, which was kind of interesting. I'd really ha- I don't really follow 
the girls a whole lot, so I don't know their their move sets. I know the ones that have been there for a while. I don't know. I I don't know Belair's very well. I, I like I like the 450 shit on Baszler. Reginald jumps up on the apron. Banks tags herself back in at that point, and uh, Belair drops Baszler face first into Sasha's knee, and then it's the Banks statement. But Nia comes in and shoves Belair on top of Sasha Banks, causes her to break the Banks statement, and then the baby faces argue. At that time, Sasha calls Belair a rookie and Pi faces her back to the apron. And that's when Baszler does the roll up and gets the schoolgirl for the win there in nine minutes, 45 seconds. And then post-match, we see Sasha and Belair go at it verbally. And uh, Sasha walks off. She's she's the uh, boss. Yeah, that she is. Um, but she didn't get a DUI in Jersey on her motorcycle. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, cross-reference there. Um, anybody? Is this Born thing in the USA? I got gotcha. you. There you go. I'm probably going to get heat because his fans love that guy. Yeah, back back on topic. Um, Bianca Belair, did anybody, did you see Pootie Tang by any chance? Uh, about 23 years ago, <laughs> whenever the hell it came out. Do you remember when he blocked bullets with his uh, braid and his belt and some other shit? It was like yeah, yeah. an incredibly funny visual scene that's that's what's uh bianca's <laughs> braid reminds me of like she could block bullets with it but that's neither here nor there i, I should give her some athletic cr- I, I you know i hate that i i sound like a, a racist commentator because <laughs> they 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 all say about the black wrestler no matter who it is that they're the most athletic in the in the territory or federation or you know right company it's just you know they're the most athletic. What are you, Jimmy the Greek? Come on. And then uh, as, right before we move on to time, I had to point this out. I wrote, Bel Air was so mad that Sasha had shoved her and talked shit to her and left her in the ring and they lost the match that her response was to point to the fucking WrestleMania sign. Uh, is your, what is your opinion on that whole pointing to the WrestleMania sign gimmick? Is it not overdone or is that just me? I'm with you there. It's overdone. I mean, um, in my shoot job, it's like me pointing to the Teamsters uh, logo in our <laughs> in our deal, but um, yeah, it's 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 you know I guess I guess in the beginning when they first started doing it when you, when you get like a Ronda Rousey type of signing and she's pointing at it, I guess that's a great visual that you could share with mainstream media and so forth. But yeah, I'm with you. We go on with the show. It's Intercontinental Champion Big E taking on Apollo Crews. The story here is Crews did a heel turn after losing a match on TV to Big E, and he embraced his Nigerian royalty roots. So now only not only is he Nigerian, he he's now adopted a an accent as well. Have you heard his accent? Yeah, briefly. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually didn't see much of this match, and. I don't know. Is this some kind of rib from Paul from Talking Smack or something? I, I know he was giving pep talks that came across as a work shoot or a shoot shoot. I don't know what the hell he was doing. But as soon as, uh, you know, I, I saw a clip and then the next thing I saw on TV was now we got Coming to America um, <laughs> version of Apollo Crews. Did you know, just a little trivia note, because things pop in my head and then I forget them, that Apollo Crews once lived with Tessa Blanchard and Ricochet in Florida together. What a motley crew. I wonder if she was uh, selling uh, shit tapes at that point. Yeah, I, I, I was interested. I did hear those, those, those shit, the secondhand <laughs> versions of those shit tapes. I, uh, 
Very interesting. Um, I, w- I wish I had a few drinks tonight to elaborate, but yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Maybe that was the uh, that should the be art. the rule moving forward. We we should get inebriated before we do these shows. I feel like they would really take off. <laughs> uh, they will uh, as soon as you know. This is our first, literally, our first chat, and it's on yeah. air. Right. Um, so you know, uh, in the upcoming weekend tapings, I'm sure there'll be a little, little more edgy. <laughs> I guess I guess Cruz's uh, nickname, or at least uh, one of his monikers now, is the real African American. Uh, so I wonder if that's a, a Vince ism. That seems like something Vince would have. Yeah, you're gonna be the real African American. Yeah. So yeah. match starts. Big that's E a- wants revenge here on Cruz, so he attacks him. He beats the shit out of him. This babyface Big E's. He's laying a whipping into Cruz, giving him some payback. Does the splash on the apron twice and the match goes on and Cruz makes the comeback does the old rolling Germans I haven't really I guess I don't watch enough modern wrestling to see the rolling Germans used that much because when I saw him busted out the first thing I thought of I had to go back to Kurt Angle and and Chris Benoit to even remember the rolling German spot uh, but he does a spine buster a frog splash does a standing moonsault on the Big E's knees and Big E gets up and tries the big ending, and this is where they screw up the finish. I mentioned that to you before we went on the air because I know you said you, you kind of missed this match. Big E goes for the big ending, and Apollo Crews kind of slides out and goes into an inside cradle, and then they do some kind of weird pivot, and Big E kind of bridges, and the referee counts three, and all of a sudden Big E won, and it was just very awkward and out of nowhere, and it was clear something got screwed up there. And then to, to cover it up after the match, Cruz puts a beat down, does the angle slam actually, and then puts a beat down. So he does the rolling Germans and the angle slam in the same match, and then puts a beat down on Big E post match, I guess to set up a, a rematch at WrestleMania. It left a lot to be desired. Yeah, I mean, like like you said, and I I, I mentioned earlier, uh, this I didn't, I can't really give a full fair review, but I I was one of those Big E cheerleaders that thought he could be something on his own, and still do to a certain extent. Um, definitely got some charisma there. However, uh, the matchup itself, I don't know, man. Uh, it's like the, like I said, coming to America's out and from what I've heard is not very good. Doesn't match up to the original. And, uh, I don't know. All of a sudden he's got an accent. I just think some of the writers are the shits. Some of them, all of them. Let's get rid of the entire, the entire who's, writing staff. Who's still, who's still there. You got to smart me up to certain things. Cause I, my wrestling news comes from Twitter mostly, so I don't know all the ins and outs. Is it, is it still like Jeff Jarrett, who Jeff Jarrett and and Road Dog and Pritchard and people like that, or is well, it just Pritchard's been out? People? I think Pritch- Bruce Bruce is right under Vince, like he used to be up Vince's ass. He kind of he's basically he knows Vince inside out. He's just he is Vince. He's like a, an a extension of Vince. You know what I mean? Like as far as what Vince wants, I, I don't even okay. want to call him a yes man. He's just like. He he speaks Vince's language. He he just knows. You know what I mean? Like so, I know gotcha. Bruce got his hand in there, but they got that whole writing team. I know Michael Hayes is a big part of that and whatnot. Road Dogs, I think he's been out of the WWE part for a while because he took some time off. He might be down in NXT now. I think Road Dog is. I could be wrong about that though. But it's hard yeah. to say. They have they have like fucking two dozen writers in general. I used to have a a, a little fantasy about being part of that, and then I just heard that. Like Stephanie will yell at you for a half hour on end in front of everybody if you have an idea she doesn't like. So I've yeah. heard the same. I, I couldn't imagine that if you're, you know, Freebird Michael Hayes and 
you've sold out the Omni when you're like 19 or in the Superdome or whatever. Yeah, or both. Superdome, then the Omni, then uh, then then Dallas. Then you got a little princess uh, grown up chewing you out in front of the boys. I, I don't know. It's If I were to do anything, it would be for the new AEW because that's owned by a fan. But we'll get into that future shows. They seem to have a few too many chefs in their, their kitchen as well, I think. But that's that's my take anyway. Yeah, I did like that line allegedly from Mark Madden. I don't know if it was true because then it was disputed that there was a roast of Tony Schiavone and he said, Tony Khan's here. Tony, exactly how many EVPs do you have? I think that was credited to Mark Madden, but then Bischoff said it was somebody else or something. I don't know. I don't know the truth behind that, but yeah, a little too many uh, bosses there too, I guess. We go on with the show and it's um, some dude playing Joseph Average promoting the uh, pay-per-view sponsor Old Spice backstage. He somehow winds up landing on top of R-Truth during some sort of a tussle and accidentally defeating R-Truth for the 24-7 title. I hope you missed this too, Tom. Start in the background. I'm glad you you told me who the hell that was. <laughs> I didn't. I had to look it up. This is. I cheated on this angle. This was happening in between matches, and I was doing something. I was. I was. In, I was in the room, but I was doing something. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And I actually had to go online and look up what the hell this was about when it was over with. But I guess our truth schoolboys him and wins it right back anyway. And he's now 51 time 24 seven champion is our truth. Before we go to the next match. You know, I thought they might've had something. I didn't like the idea when USA forced them to create the 24 seven title. I was like, that sounds like shit. But once they got it going, I was like, Oh, if they can come up with some fun shit, like they did with crash Holly with the hardcore title, something clever, something different every week to where it means something. Okay. And then the very first week, or maybe it was the second week we had all of the comedy acts and all of the job guys that never make the, the big TV shows chasing people around the arena and yeah it was over just running aimlessly for no reason chasing our truth around jesus but yeah i mean our truth's a funny guy i guess you know it's a vehicle for his dopey humor and i'm i'm pretty much a dopey humor guy too so you know what they say vince loves him so it seems like a weird contrast of styles there vince and our truth but vince loves him they say so yeah, Dr. Jerry Graham when he was a kid, and now our truth while well, he's a 75-year-old man who's allegedly squatted 1,000 pounds or something I read today real quick. I didn't click the article. Did you hear that? I saw the video. He didn't, it wasn't, uh, I, I don't know what he squatted, but he, he was, he was squatted. Or deadlifted or something. Or, I, I, I don't know what he I think, did. I think but, he squatted it, if I remember correctly. Jeez. He's, uh, he's clean, though. He passed his own wellness policy. Well, that's good to know. I'm sure. <laughs> We go on with the show, and earlier in the show, actually, we they announced that Shane uh, McMahon was injured. He was supposed to wrestle Braun Strowman. They kind of fucked themselves because I read earlier in the week they'd already removed that match from the list of matches on the pay-per-view. So they must have went back and decided to re-add the match so that they could remove it again here as Shane's feigning an ankle injury, and Elias comes up to him, and he wants to perform. Of course, he means he wants to sing. However, he performs all right. As he gets to the ring, he finds out that Shane McMahon has replaced Shane with Elias in the match here against Braun Strowman and Elias had this, this guy with him and I'm not really following raw or SmackDown on the weekly right now. So I had to be told by my kid that the guy's name was Jackson Riker. Jackson no, Riker yeah. is actually Gunner from TNA, which you probably didn't watch anyway, right? That's right. I'm the only one that didn't watch it because my brother watched it and <laughs> everybody else seems to know 
all these guys, oh, that's the so-and-so from TNA. And it's like, I never did it. I could, I, I could never do it. The only time I watched TNA ever was the first show where they went up against Raw live. And I was like, okay, well, here we go. New Monday Night War. And by the end of that show, I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I guess we're not doing a TNA impact review then, huh? I, I'm open to anything. I, I'm down, <laughs> man. I'm open to wrestling. I love wrestling, man. I've been watching wrestling for more than, well, more than 35 years. It's so fucking time consuming to keep up with all these shows it these is. days. But uh you know, I, I pop for the stupidest of stupid and Johnny Swinger just cracks me up on that show. I love um, Johnny. Is he on there? Oh, that's pretty cool because I I saw Johnny Swinger way, way, way back in like ninety five on the Indies when he was uh, working shows with Christian Cage and Edge, who was Sexton Hardcastle at the time. So it's no it's Christ. kinda funny going back that far. But I, I like Swinger that he had a good look. I never understood why he never really made it beyond like that little run in ECW at the tail end of ECW. Yeah, he's too old now, but his right. his stupid comedic promos where he he's in his own world where he's talking to these young twenty some year old wrestlers and does the Mizark and you know the, the old <laughs> Carney talk and and he'll be like, yeah, me and Buddy Rose used to shave eyebrows in that territory, brother. You know, and shit like that. It's, <laughs> it's hilarious shit. Well, at least he, he found something to do. Dude to hang out and drink with, I think, in, in yeah. all the wrestling business. Well, it took him about 25 years, but I'm glad to hear that he found something. Yeah, he finally found something. And a steady paycheck. <laughs> so the match with Strowman and Elias. Elias was hesitant. He didn't want to do this. He didn't know about it, and he was against it, but it was happening. It's like, like I tell my wife sometimes, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, you got to do it. And Elias, it's, uh, it's a shame. Not that, you know, Elias is the rock or anything, but the guy was over. A couple of times. Crowd. Yeah, the pandemic really fucked him. He's, uh, he needs a crowd. And, uh, you know, because he can't get by on his work or his promos or whatever. It's like that whole thing worked for a while, but... I don't know. What do you think? Will it ever come back if if the live crowds get back into it? I feel like that ship has sailed. I feel it's almost like a, a Dolph Ziggler. I mean, a completely different Dolph Z Ziggler was over on his Mr. Perfect bumping and his work and, and whatnot. But I feel like a long time ago, Elias was over as a heel. And then they turned him face out of nowhere, and he really got over really fast. And then yeah. it was like a month later, yeah. Vince turned him back heel, like after a month or so. Like, no, we changed our mind. And they they switched him back heel almost immediately. And it's like he's gotten over two or three times to that next level, like where you have something here. And then they just, they don't capitalize. It's like you're not allowed to. It's almost like Damian Sandow. You're not allowed to be over. Yeah, good point. Um, I heard him talking somewhere, and he elaborated on his fondness for gambling in strange towns. Interesting. Yeah, he, he said at the time he, he mentioned he was, uh, who's the agent that was alpha america team or whatever the black guy jason, jason jordan. jordan yes he said he was riding with jordan and i think one of ftr uh cash or dax i don't know which one one of them was hurt and he's like yeah we just look for we google locus local casino and play blackjack till about five in the morning i can tell you from personal experience that's not a good habit to have so i don't know if that affected his uh status <laughs> anywhere or anything but certainly can make you tired and miss the gym and all those kind of things, and your payoffs need to be a lot bigger if you're in that world, but I digress. Hey, I'm a fan of Blackjack. 
Oh, me too, but it's not a fan. <laughs> I get yeah. you. So this match, though, it wasn't really much of a match. It was Strowman, Strowman manhandling Elias and Riker trying to help and Strowman manhandling him as well. There was a spot on the floor where Strowman hit Riker and he didn't really connect with him, and Riker kind of slow motion sold it anyway or after the fact. It looked like shit. But it allowed Elias to take over momentarily, nailed the DDT and his flying elbow. Uh, but that was just about it. Strowman comes back with a choke slam, running power slam, this match was over in three minutes and 50 seconds, and obviously this is all to build to Strowman and Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. Yeah, what's he going to jump off of? There you go. I, you know, my, I think one of my kids pointed this out to me. Sometimes you say, they say out of the mouth of babes. My kids sometimes have more logic or as much logic as I do when we're watching this shit, and one of them go to me, why is he afraid of Braun Strowman, but he wasn't afraid of the fucking Undertaker in Hell in a Cell? And I said, you know mm -hmm. what? That's a pretty damn good question. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> makes sense for sure. I don't know. Maybe it's Braun. I saw Instagram. Braun was banging that Camille Brickhouse for a while, or at least he had her on his lap. Uh, you familiar with her? Yeah, it's, I'm sure that's probable. She. I saw them together, and then now she's fucking <laughs> that dude that Ric Flair, uh, Charlotte was banging, and they had a domestic assault with Flair involved. The the right, band. right. She's with him now. So lovely. Uh, I love these little romances. I, you know, um, there was no girls. You know, when I came around, and even when I was just stooging driving people, there was like literally no girls. Then came Missy Hyatt, Medusa, etc. But. It was like Moolah and, you know, Judy Martin. You know, I I could imagine these days if there was still a hotel scene, like, you know, I, I'd, oh my God. I'd be a ring rat. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> what, I mean, what a... by the end of the night, I'd uh, probably end up with Shayna Baszler and uh, Nia Jax. But, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, well, you can always go up from there. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Somehow in bed, uh, Nia Jax would hurt me. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. I could see that. Smother you. Sorry, baby. <laughs> anyway, she's so pretty, though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, that's somebody's opinion, not mine. Yeah, I'm with you. We get a, a backstage segment next. It's uh, Matt Riddle walking around, because that's what people do. They just walk. He's walking around with a scooter. He's trying to sell Shinsuke. Uh, trying to get him to go into business with him on some sort of a scooter deal. Talking about putting LED lights on him and all these other things. And he goes into this comedy bit. And I, I put air quotes around that for anybody who was wondering. Starts talking about his cousin Skeeter who had a scooter and all this other horse shit. You can see where that's going. And as they pan out to see what Nakamura is going to say back, he's gone. He's done. And I don't blame him. In fact, I, one, one of my kids said, he better be gone when they cut back away. And sure enough, he yeah. was gone. That was a little piss break for, for Shinsuke, um, like the rest of the audience. But, yeah, he, he disappeared. Riddle, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to think. He's, I try to have a little loyalty to guys that um, were at the Monster Factory. Danny Cage has always been cool to me. And uh, that place has a special little place in my heart from Larry Sharp and the right. old, the good old days as we reminisce. But, uh I don't know. I don't, I don't think as highly of Riddle as, as everybody else. I think that it, that pays off for me now because I watched everything for 30-some years, and then there was just this big boom of all these other promotions that came out. I'm like, I can't do this. I don't. Oh, well, this one's really good, though. I'm not, wa not watching it because I don't think that it's good, 
I'm not watching it because I just don't have the time to invest. Cause once I start watching it, then I have to watch it every week and I just can't do that. So I try to catch up. I play catch up on things. I read what the hell the storylines are. I might go watch a match if it's supposed to be good in general, dude. I just, I can't watch three hours of raw period, much less every week at this point, like I used to do and things like that. So it's fun though, watching these guys when they get called up or even when I watch the NXT pay-per-views and stuff, because I don't watch NXT every week. So I base everything really on their work rate and what, and their character, their personality, really coming to the ring, what they do in the ring, you know, their psychology and things like that, rather than having to watch their shit every fucking week. So my ideal of Matt Riddle was I enjoyed his work against most of the guys I saw him in the ring with on the NXT pay-per-views. However, this, the gimmick itself, I get it. It's, it's whatever they say. Vince doesn't get it which is why he's not really getting push push. Uh, right, right. It's just like Rob Van Dam times 10 though. Like he's, he's more of a burnout, you know what I mean? And it's whatever. Rob Van Dam meets uh fast times at Ridgemount high. There Jeff, you go. Jeff Spicoli. Yeah. Spicoli. Yeah. I'm confused with Louis Spicoli and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I real like I told you, these things pop in my mind and I got to say them out loud before I forget them. And, and I apologize to people that heard me before, uh, more jovial and doing impressions and so forth. I kind of got a shit voice tonight, so bear with me. But I'll, I'll tell little tidbits to kind of make up for it. Um, when Matt Riddle was at the Monster Factory, Danny uh, Cage had Jerry Briscoe come in. And, of course, he had a, a group which now features – then featured uh, the now Nick Camarado, the always Nick Camarado, who's on AEW television. Big monster of a kid. If you haven't seen him, check him out. Mm-hmm. Um, but a real, like, Juco All-American and some other dude, uh, Billy something or other, who I don't think followed through. But they called him Shooter's Inc. So when a Briscoe hears that, you know, Jack's deceased, but Jerry will still fight anybody. Right. <laughs> a little video while Riddle was stretching, uh, I I could probably find it if I really searched hard, but uh, Jerry snuck up behind him and, and hooked him for a second, and then Riddle kind of got out of it, and they just laughed it off. But Jerry still got him a little bit. That's always fun, man. Would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, Jerry's, pretty- Jerry's getting up there in age, man. It's uh, cool to always hear Jerry Briscoe's story, though. Yeah, it looked like he hooked him a little bit, you know, before, uh, you know, it was playful, but you could tell he wanted to send a message like, yo, you ain't that tough, kid. I got to give Riddle one thing. At least he's outside the box. He's not the cookie cutter gimmick. Like right now where it's just, I'm dude, (laughs) which is pretty much, pretty much the gimmick. Ricochet is I'm dude. I do a flip, but I'm dude. You know, it's, there's not really more to the character. Yeah. I, my old friend, Dave Meltzer, who my new friends, uh, from my other basketball show, Nathan Bush and, uh, Tim Dombrova name drop cue here. Um, they don't really agree. They didn't grow up getting the observer like I did. So they argue with them on Twitter and all that shit. I try to remain neutral and friends with everybody. He, he said flat out that the two biggest stars on the business are going to be Matt Riddle and Ricochet a couple years back and not so far. Well, that's uh, no fault of their own, especially Ricochet. I, when I saw what he was able to do just in NXT, I thought the same. I mean, I get that he's smaller, so he's already got that going against them there, you know, in the, in the bit, once he gets called up in Vince's, in Vince's eyes every week. But other than that, I thought like the sky's the limit for this. This is one of those guys like a Daniel Bryan, where you can't really keep him down. You, you can't, you just can't do that. It's a disservice to your own company. Uh, but they did it, didn't they? They sure did it. They found a way. And 
like I, I kind of jumped on the bandwagon. New Japan used to come on Access TV. Two WWE employees, uh, Kushida worked Ricochet. And that got me. I was like, wow, these guys are both really good. And uh, I thought the same Ricochet coming in. And then I saw him. I have an odd picture with me, him, and Sammy Callahan together. Um, it was at a House of Hardcore show. And they worked later that night. And they had a damn good match with strangely different styles. So, anyway, I'm just putting over Ricochet after I kind of shit on him earlier. Nothing personal, Ricochet. Well, no. I mean, you can't really do much about it when you're hindered. I mean, you've seen what happened to guys. Like I said, with, with Sandow in the past, with Zach, poor Zack Ryder who got himself over. He paid for that every week. I think he got his back broken about 10 weeks in a row there by Kane. It's just it's, true. It's going to be what it's going to be. He didn't become a star, but when you end up with uh, Tennille Dashwood uh, for about a year and then uh, Chelsea Green. Oh, my there. God. That's, it's an equal payoff. I'll Wait, take that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely is right. So we go back to the ring. It's Nakamura taking on Seth Rollins. This is another one of those matches where Vince decided, oh, shit, we got, we got time left on the show, pal. On Friday, so they randomly throw this match together as well. Two days before the pay-per-view, Seth's gimmick apparently has changed again. I didn't realize that since he's returned from fatherhood. But apparently, yes, his, his gimmick seems to be altered again. He's not necessarily the Jesus anymore anyway. And it's uh, back and forth, both guys doing pretty much what they do. It's a lot of uh, near falls and doing their finishers. Nakamura countering the curb stomp. Did a nice Michinoku driver near the end of the match. Um, they set things up for the Kinshasa. Rollins kind of rolls through to block it. Nakamura blocks yet another curb stomp late in the match, but Rollins with the, uh, I don't know, I, I called it a unique kick to the face. Didn't really know how to describe it. Sets it up and does finally nail the curb stomp, or as they call it now, the stomp for the win here in about 13 minutes. So they gave these guys time. They pretty much did what you would expect them to do without really tearing the house down. Yeah, both good workers. I mean, could you imagine if if that was remember Sami Zayn against uh, Nakamura for NXT? Yes, yes. Could you imagine if that was you know no discredit to Sami Zayn, who's a heck of a worker too, when when motivated and young and less injured, I guess, but and less Fidel Castro ish. Yeah, true. Good good reference. Um, Seth against Nakamura back, you know, at that point would have been amazing and live crowd fitting in and all that but i just kind of caught the end of it and that that kick was they the, the announcers even reference i don't even know what to call it they said that uh, i don't know if it was cole or Corey graves or whatever but i know the kick you're talking about because that's kind of when I, I i zeroed in on it and uh you know i i say the same about seth it's like he's not jesus but he's still kind of doing the same thing right yeah He's an agnostic Jesus or so. I don't know what the hell he is. I, I'm, I wasn't really sure what was going on with the character. I've been out of the loop as far as TV goes. These last several months, man, I've kind of been tuning out on TV completely, which is it's really hard for me to do because my Monday nights or Tuesday nights at times was primetime. Always watched it religiously. I love Bobby and Gorilla. And then Raw came, and I watched Raw from 93 onward until I bet I watched it religiously every week at least through 2014. And slowly, well, well, I'll 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 record it and fast forward and watch the good parts. And then finally, in the last, it was pre-COVID. I just I was done. 
I clocked out on because they've just stopped telling stories and I can't, I don't care. Just random matches for three hours. I can't do it. Yeah. So, it just, I, I, just, I was looking at it. I, and I, I just do a just, lot of reading. <laughs> it, it, it's something about, I don't know if it's the Thunderdome with the TVs or, or whatever. The, they're probably not TVs, the monitors or what have you. I don't know what it is. It's probably the fact that everybody they're pushing now at one point was a jobber. Or, I hate to use that term, but uh, no, it's... Uh, they they buried pretty much. Yeah. I mean, Lashley's married to Lana one week and he's doing this, that, and the other. Now he's what he should have been in the, the beginning. Right. Fucking killer. But I didn't, you know, if I didn't forget and I forget everything, how could their fan base forget that he was like the shits as far as the way they portrayed him? And uh, now he's just this killer. I, I have no interest in Lashley against Drew McIntyre for the same reason. And I, you know, I'm one of those marks that thinks Brock Lesnar will come back and you'll finally get the two shooters and all that kind of stuff. And I'll suspend my disbelief that Lashley wasn't in all that, all those crazy hijinks in the, year or two prior and uh you know enjoy the shooters getting into it i actually another trivia note i i saw bobby blaster lashley managed by kenny bolin in louisville wow. his second match on tv ever i was sitting front row in the louisville whatever the fuck ovw arena <laughs> right wow i took that's an i, I might have said this somewhere else before but that was i went to nashville louisville memphis I used to be a little more uh, into things. I'm kind of stable now and stay home a lot. But um, I called OVW because I did have the relationship with Cornette, and it was his voice. I left a message, hey, this is Pissy. Uh, for those not familiar, future episode, I'll explain. <laughs> um, I said, I I'm in the area. I'll be down. I'm stopping by the tapings, yada, yada. And I had this girlfriend who was uh i don't know 15 years younger than me she, she was of age by the way um but she was liberian of liberian descent as dark chocolate as you could be that time i was doing juice i got tattoos bald-headed long black beard uh i look like a shorter version of the, one of the harris twins so we looked completely bizarre together but somehow we went out for a little while and i walk in expecting to a warm welcome that I haven't seen Cornette in a while. He didn't get the message. And I, I, I went up to Lance Storm and I was like, Hey man, I'm a old friend of Jimmy's just stopping by to see him. He let me right in, man. Jimmy's like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? And <laughs> I'm like, uh, it wasn't an angry. It's just like, Jesus Christ. I ain't even seen you, but you can't be back here, brother. He's like, uh, Danny Davis going to kill me. So I was like, no problem. I don't know how it works. Didn't you get the message? Go, no, I didn't get any message. So he let me sit in the front row, and I, uh, that led to me seeing the aforementioned Bobby Lashley second match ever. But very cool, fun story. Hope that was a good cl climax to the. Uh, the only way you could have done that cornet impression better, you you left out the the f word. There was not one mention of the word fuck in there anywhere. <laughs> True. <laughs> Leave it to me and fuck that up. There you go. We get a promo. The nightmare begins, I guess, uh, tomorrow, it said, on Raw. Rhea Ripley uh, debuts on Raw. There's rumors that she's going to be replacing Charlotte at WrestleMania, wrestling Oscar. I don't know if that's going to be true or what happens with that. This might be a good time to talk about Charlotte and Andrade getting released and directly after the pay-per-view and 
perhaps Rhea Ripley replacing Charlotte. What's your take on Charlotte? Do you think she should be uh, following her man out the door here or just staying and getting paid? Because they reported today, Demeltz, that's what I always call him. I call him Demeltz. I don't know him like you, so he's just Demeltz to me. That's David cool. Meltzer for those who, want, <laughs> who don't know. He reported that, um, shit, I lost my train of thought. Oh, that she's making over seven figures now be- between the WWE, the merchandise, everything they have her lined up in. And now she's doing that movie, that new Walking Tall. Have you heard, have you heard that? Yeah, I did hear that she's going to be, I guess it's with the gender equality revolution, women's revolution, she's going to be like the the main character, correct? Yeah, and you can insert your jokes about her carrying a stick in her hand as well. Yeah, there you go. Um, But, yeah, um, I'll let you continue so I I can figure out what's going on. No, I was just curious your take on the whole Andrade and Charlotte thing, if you if you have one. I fucking hate Andrade. Um, I liked his match uh, with what's his name, Johnny Gargano, NXT main event way way back then. I think he can work. A lot of you know a lot of those guys can work, but I think it's really a secret. El Chapo's drug cartel in Mexico used to be wrestling fans, and I think this is on the down low. I think we got breaking news here. I think that their plan was to train some of their uh, soldiers, use the steroids, learn the professional wrestling business, and steal the daughters of the four horsemen. Because Tessa Blanchard is with MAGA or something, and she just became a a man's world or unisex world champion in in Impact, disappeared (laughs) to Mexico, never came back. (laughs) Now Charlotte, Ric Flair's daughter... Arn's got a son training in AEW, but maybe there's a gay cartel guy. I don't know. Mm. But the Mexicans seem to have the horsemen. Put burritos, all, all kinds of burritos up his ass, man. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm comfortable in my sexuality. That just gave me a good idea. Anyway. <laughs> all right. And besides Andrade and Charlotte, we were talking about Rhea Ripley. What's your, what's your thoughts on Rhea Ripley? Her look and her work and just the, whole, the total package. Well, I. I'd kind of like to hit that dude too on a, you know, after I've had a few. Now I'm just kidding. Rhea Ripley's a all female. Um, she just had broad shoulders, and uh, I'll just get off that subject. I actually like her. <laughs> she's she's very talented. Uh, tall, tall glass of water, as they say. Yeah. It seemed it seemed like last year, um, and I wasn't listening to you. I didn't even know you last year, quite frankly. Right. right. Um, so I don't know your take, but it seemed like Charlotte beat the fuck out of her in that. A little bit of ice, I mean, of both, but a lot of potatoes in that match, it seemed like to me, uh, from this observer's view. But, you know, they they got no Becky right now. I don't know if the, she's in the plans, but the, the women's division's kind of dwindling, and why not? And I actually have, believe it or not, some breaking news. Oh, do tell, do tell. Rhea Ripley, uh, because we are taping Monday night, let's pull the curtain back, as they say. Sure. And um, Rhea Ripley's debut was much ballyhooed, and she, I I believe, I wasn't quite listening to the full promo, but she challenged Asuka to WrestleMania and mentioned something about uh, recovering from COVID, so I guess that she's alluding to Charlotte, but... Yeah, so it's it's Rhea Ripley now with a super mega push WrestleMania uh, Women's Championship against Oscar. 
So. Seems seems a little odd that they would uh, use the COVID as the only reason, specifically because that's a long ways off. Like she should be cleared from COVID long before WrestleMania. So it's going to be interesting to see how Charlotte plays into that, or if they're keeping her off TV. And there's more to this Andrade thing that meets the eye in regards to Charlotte. I know that's odd with the with the uh, the COVID and all that. It's like, yeah, she's recovering from polio, so I'm going to fill in for her. It's it's so 2020, so to speak, and there's vaccines and there's quick recovery. You know, hopefully she's not legitimately sick with COVID. Right. And my my theory about the cartel has taken place, and she's <laughs> safely in Mexico. Um, and they're going to re restart as the horsewoman or something or other. But yeah, uh, so Rhea Ripley. Uh, I think she's got a good upside, but it's like you said about a few other people earlier. What are they going to do? You know, we'll see. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I suppose we got a, it's only a few weeks till WrestleMania. So it'll be interesting to see what they do between now and then with all those girls. But we move on with this show. It was uh, drew McIntyre taking on his old buddy of 20 years. Seamus fella. And ain't no holds barred match. The story goes. Seamus turned on his good buddy, drew McIntyre for a title shot earlier in the year. Of course, uh, eventually Lashley would wind up taking the belt, so that's really irrelevant at that point. Did you see the rematch or the match they had on TV? I only saw the finish, and I just I had I, I put my head down in my hand. I couldn't believe they went went, went with this. It was uh, both guys grabbing uh, a pair uh, uh, one of the steel steps. They both had a, a steel step in their hand, and they run run at each other on the floor, and they crack steel steps, and then they both take a bump as if they they killed themselves with them. Uh, one of them actually tumbled over the the barrier into the crowd from the shot. It was, it was terrible. You know, I all due respect to those guys. They're both, I mean, I, I've met Seamus in passing. I've saw all his YouTube. I work out with the other people videos. Seems like the greatest <laughs> guy in the world. He, he had a cup of coffee at the monster factory. He came to the States and trained there a little bit. Um, Drew McIntyre obviously got released and his stories kind of like, way overexposed now how hard he worked to get back and but he reminds me of the awa big scottish hall like when scott hall debuted with the hairy chest and the big that's hilarious you said that because i would if you would stop right there the first thing i would have said was razor ramon body wise so it's kind of funny you said that big scottish hall to me awa you know whatever but I just can't buy either of them. And like Seamus, I, I, I prefaced it by saying, you know, seems like a great dude, you know, great. Uh, I'd have many beers with him if, if allowed. Many He's pints, fella. As, yeah, exactly. He's stiff as fuck. I mean, I enjoy that sometimes and I right. beat the hell out of each other, but I mean, it was two, it's 2021. It was 2006. Uh, or even earlier when I, you know, he was an ECW of the WWE ECW. And right. I mean, he's been on their TV just over and over and over again. And it's like, I just can't get into it. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not into either dude. I don't know. Seamus does absolutely nothing for me. And I'm not taking away from, like you said, he does work snug at, at the very least at, at times, especially with certain people like, like he does, like they do with each other here. Of course, the better friends you are in the wrestling business, the harder you hit each other. And these yeah, guys have, weird. yeah, these guys have no problem doing that here. They beat the shit out of each other. It was like, 
Valentine and Garvin at, at Royal Rumble 90, uh, like where they just chopped the shit out of each other for 20 minutes. Only this yeah. was a lot more than chopping. Uh, Seamus's body looked like it went through a train wreck by the time this was over. Of course, he's a ginger, so it shows up a little more, but yeah, he, still, he still took some bumps here. These guys beat the hell out of each other all over the arena. Stiff moves, rough bumps outside the ring, hitting each other with weapons and shit just uh, all over the place. And uh, they even did a spot uh, where I think it was McIntyre threw Seamus through the uh, LED screen at one point, yeah. and then there was that little uh, little bit of yeah. spark and explosion. It kind of reminded me yeah. of the AEW explosion. <laughs> we we are starting to think alike. I was <laughs> I was gonna I almost stomped on your line, but it was you almost should've. identical. You should have. No, it was an identical uh, thought. It it looked yeah. like the Eddie Kingston covering up uh, <laughs> Dean Ambrose for whatever. I think the only difference was uh, uh, Drew and Sheamus got back up. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they got up and, and then posted pictures of their back on the internet as opposed to saying they had an anxiety attack. Uh, yeah. But again, future was... shit. Future shit. Right. You got to do what you got to do. I didn't see the pictures, but I did read. I mean, I saw Sheamus after the match on TV. That was enough for me. I, I saw what he looked like. So. But, uh, yeah, they, they, you know, to their credit, as you know, as much as I shit on them earlier, just that personally, I'm not a big fan. But no, nope. I mean, as as a totally unathletic person right now, and one that was declining athletically when I was learning how to front bump and back bump and all that shit, everything hurts, and those guys really beat the fuck out of each other. So. If you big bastards are listening, I'm out of my prime, so don't fuck me up if you see me, but, you know, good match. <laughs> yeah, they fight their way finally back to ringside. Sheamus with a bro kick since Drew over the barrier. They get up on this platform that just happens to be there right behind the announce table for whatever reason, and yeah. Sheamus points to the WrestleMania sign and says, I should be going to WrestleMania, fella, and then he does white noise off the barrier through the announce table. As the virtual fans chant, this is awesome. I yeah. love the virtual fans, and that's that's sarcasm there. I, I hate the virtual fans. I, is, that, I, I, is that like OnlyFans? Oh, never mind. Oh, man. I don't know. I'd have to ask Sonny once she gets out of prison. We'll talk to her. We'll talk about that. <laughs> Good old Sonny. Future but shows. I, I bet Vince has got to love. Yes, future shows indeed. <laughs> I, I, Vince has got to love uh, being able to finally, after all these years, create the narrative live as far as what he wants the fans to do. It's scary what he might come up with. Like, let's just mic out the audience and keep this going, you know, beyond. <laughs> yeah. They're all mutes. That's some good shit. That's yeah, some good shit, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and of course, Bruce just bobblehead. Yes. But credit right. to him too. make them dollar doll bills. Y'all. Hey man, I ain't mad at him, but you got it, man. We go to the finish. Sheamus slides Drew McIntyre into the ring after the white nose spot and slides a part of the table in the ring as well. He's going to try the Alabama slam onto the table. But the Alabama slam. Yeah. And Drew counters and turns it into the future shock DDT instead onto that piece of the table. And then the Claymore kick ends it in about 19 minutes, 40 seconds. So Drew McIntyre picks up the win on his way to WrestleMania to challenge Bobby Lashley for the belt. Hey, another stupid fact that has nothing to do with what we're talking about, but you I said Alabama Slam. <laughs> you said Alabama Slam. There was this yeah. gym called Iron Sport. It's still there in, um, don't know the little town. It's near me in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, suburban Philadelphia. 
um, the owner was a world-class, you know, strong man type. So a lot of the boys, you know, would go there and he would graciously, you know, block off wherever they wanted to be private and what have you. So they may even still go there. Um, Bob Holly, uh, I yes. saw him, uh, on a, on a treadmill and I, it was my chest day, which hasn't happened in about fucking seven years. But anyway, um, it was my chest day when I was actively uh, weightlifting and exercising and so forth. And uh, I didn't know Bob Holly from Adam, but we both went to the same bench, which was, you know, odd. And I had to sit there and act like I didn't know who he was, which was weird. But eventually, <laughs> eventually I moved to like the next one. And Bob Holly was a big dude and, you know, alleged tough guy and whatever. He, he all he did and granted, a lot of if you watched uh, Randy Orton's Broken Skull session last night, mm-hmm. he talked about maintaining and using high reps and lightweight. Maybe that was the situation because Bob Holly on the bench never went past two twenty-five. I thought I was going to see him throw up like four oh five or even more. Um, right. I, I was actually overdoing it, trying to like catch his eye, so to speak. What? How gay does that sound? Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, he just did reps with 225, like five sets of 10. I was shocked because I was at that time, you know, I did my set of 135 warm ups and then a set of 10 of 225 right alongside good old Bob Holly. And uh, he stayed at the same weight and just did a lot of reps. And I, you know, I sat there and almost gave myself a fucking stroke trying to impress. <laughs> and, uh, trying to impress Bob Holly, who probably would never even looked over, huh? Yeah, he yeah, actually t- he was actually pretty cool. I I uh I had to say something. I, I said, "Yeah, I respect your work and all that kind of shit." And uh, I always Mark. I, yeah, <laughs> with the whole uh, gym attack thing. But I had gym etiquette. I didn't bother him. Right. And he was cool. He, you know, he didn't you know come over for dinner or anything. But he was a good guy. To How me. Right. Me, I mean, right. Well, to we, a lot of other people, to Matt Capitelli, maybe not so much. Maybe not. Yeah. Well. Oh Christ, Capitelli's dead, isn't he? Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say. You could do the old storyline where Eddie Gilbert says that uh, Lawler killed Andy Kaufman and gave him cancer from the pile driver. Maybe <laughs> yeah. Bob Holly stomping Capitelli. You know, that put him out. I don't know. Could be. I don't know. I'm sorry, Matt Capitelli, wherever you are in this universe. I didn't. I didn't even think of him being deceased when I brought that up. But okay. Everybody's deceased now, brother. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, I'm 51, and uh, I keep putting that over. I think that's some kind of subconscious thing, but uh, it's shocking. But it isn't if I if I think about how old I actually am. Like everybody I thought was cool when I was a kid was 10, 15, 20 years older than me, and the male life expectancy is not that high, especially in the wrestling business and rock and roll or whatever else I might've enjoyed. So, you know, um, I guess it's not really that surprising, but I just hate to see the young guys go. Like you mentioned Eddie Gilbert earlier and stuff like that. Guys right. are going our threes. That's the shits, man. Especially some when of, they were like some of the best. Oh my God. Eddie, uh, you know, it's hard to say he, he had his problems here and there, but if he straightened out, God knows he had such a brilliant mind where he'd be. He might be in a WWE writer's room or AEW or wherever else. Yeah, there was definitely somewhere for him. Uh, no doubt about that. Yeah. I'm being more comfortable. I'm feeling more comfortable now, Mr. Russell. 
Oh, that's good. Always good to hear. <laughs> and it's it, it's now a non gonna, comfort. Now I'm going to ruin it for you by talking about Randy Orton versus Alexa oh, Bliss. Yeah. <laughs> so this goes back quite a while, but long story short, Randy Orton burned down the body of the fiend back at TLC in December. And Alexa Bliss has basically been doing that Papa Shango voodoo shit lately, making Orton spew black shit out of his mouth. And, uh, oh, by the way, shout out to Barry Orton, uh, his family, all the Orton family. Uh, Barry Orton passed away. Barry O. Yeah, Barry O. Rest in peace, sir. So, but uh, Orton comes out to the ring and immediately begins spewing the black Papa Shango shit from his mouth here as Bliss is out next and the lights go pink for their match. And Orton tries to come at her once, and this is when we begin the silly camera angles. He walks into uh, a wall of flames, for lack of a better term, so she backs up. So he charges at Alexa next. She sidesteps, and he does the old Road Warrior Hawk, nails the post, and goes flying to the floor. Great reference. Great reference. Absolutely. You made the connection with Hawk, which which I never thought of. Good for you. (laughs) <laughs> so on the outside Orton's selling and he finally gets up he starts stalking Alexa around ringside and then she stops and she looks up in the sky and she looks back at Orton and lights fall from the sky they, she tried to yeah. murder him it was an anvil came down at one point what That's the what fuck was said acme on it <laughs> exactly and, and then Randy tried to run away after Alexa painted a hole on a mountain but anyway, Dude, that would have been awesome. The train coming out of it. Oh, see, they could have worked that into the cinematic shit. See, now they're going to exactly. steal your idea. You better charge them if you see that shit happen at WrestleMania. Yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I could be a get off your get off my lawn type of guy. You got uh, 10 years, my junior, I believe. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It's not, especially a guy like Orton who yells at everybody on Twitter and stuff and comes right. from three generations of pro wrestling and and even bray wyatt you know he's three generation guy yeah he's three yeah they're both that's right they're both third generation and alexa bliss uh, from the looks of her has got third generation boobs i think she's had two surgeries from the looks last night i was enamored by the uh portions of the costume anyway yeah she's uh i mean i think she always wanted to be an actress and uh, from that standpoint i guess she's good at this but I don't know, dude. Uh, I think that's Jerry, Jeremy Borash uh, oriented. I think he's be. he's something to do with all that shit that's going on. And if people like it, I don't know. Do you see quarter hour breakdowns? I guess there is no quarter hour breakdowns on pay-per-views. But right. has there been any on TV? It's all been pay-per-view, right? Yeah. Uh, quarter hour breakdowns, that's all TV. I've never seen one of the, something like that. I, I don't even know. I guess they could do that now. With it, with it, with it, it was on the network. It's not going to be on the network anymore. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that, and this is a really stupid question to ask on a podcast while you're trying to entertain <laughs> people, but I, I downloaded Peacock like when it first came around. Just, yeah. I, I forget what I wanted to watch, 30 Rock or something. Here comes another name drop. Class of 98, Upper Darby. Uh, Upper Darby. Tina Fey and myself, but ah. future show. It's nice. technically not. It's technically not true because I had to go to summer school. I was a bad student, but she was in my world cultures class. But I did not walk the aisle when she walked the aisle. But I was there with her, and she stole all her funny material from me. I believe it. That's not true. It's I got a prom. <laughs> I took it from. No, I'm lying now. That's the, that's the worker in me. But let's get back. The to The worker in me. I love it. 
Let's get me back to where the hell we were talking about. Um, yeah, so like the lights dropped. If you're talking about the match or were you talking about something else, you had a question. Who the fuck knows at this point? I don't know. You got to lead me. Hold me by the hand. <laughs> I'm walking with you, brother. So like the lights drop and Randy Orton says to Alexa Bliss, are you trying to kill me? And yeah, I wrote, I, isn't that the entire point of this entire fucking match? Like you tried, you murdered the fiend, right? So yeah, why are you, you shocked that somebody's trying to kill you? I, I don't get it. Yeah, he did set him on fire until he was dead, right? Right, until he burned into nothing. Or so it seemed at that at that point anyway. So they finally get back in the ring, and Orton tries to charge at her yet again. This time she shoots one of them fireball gimmicks at his face, like Max Moon style, not like the Sheik style. And <laughs> uh, he kind of braises Orton. He takes a, takes a bump down. He's on his ass. And she just jumps up on the uh, turnbuckle and waits, and Orton finally gets up, and he's like, this is it. I, I, I'm fucking coming to kick your ass now and that's when a hand a charred hand comes through the <laughs> the fucking mat and grabs orton by his ankle and orton escapes but then poof all of a sudden the fiend appears in the ring i can't believe i'm writing this shit or reading this shit that i wrote bliss then kicks the back of orton sends him right into a sister abigail and then mm. bliss straddles him because well yeah and she that's covers orton to get the win in four minutes and 45 seconds as Bliss and The Fiend pose forever, they had Bliss straddle Orton forever as they're going off. I'm thinking, well, what's uh, on the other side there? I, I, I would have did many takes of that. Um, I, I watched that with my on-again, off-again girlfriend, probably end up being my wife. Uh, she was watching it with me, and uh, I didn't really comment on that particular portion of the finish, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, that was quite, um, I imagine there was, Kim Orton was probably like, are you going to get up now? Well, um, she did, te she did tweet after that match. Actually. Oh, okay. What did she say? It was, I, I felt it was kind of like, you know, just kayfabe. It was like, you know, you're fucking with the wrong man or, or something like that. But at the same time, the only thing that went through my mind was, boy, she sure sat on Rand <laughs> Randy's uh, pelvic area for quite a while there. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then, of course, I wanted to go to like uh, xnxx.com or Ooh, my favorite uh, porn tube or something or Pornhub and put in um, <laughs> creepy burnt dude uh, and built <laughs> built dude bang uh, schoolgirl zombie schoolgirl maybe something whatever yeah <laughs> I should be careful with saying schoolgirl. I mean everybody's over eighteen, but. Yeah, it was uh that that was the highlight of that match. And what's the what's the black shit in the mouth? What is that all about? I don't know. I just it's a throwback to Papa Shango for me. Like when Warrior was like getting the fucking black shit on his head and Mean Gene was bald so they couldn't do that gimmick so he had like bleed black out of his fucking arm. And shit like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the uh, yeah, it's it's so weird. Uh, again, I got to go back to it's like Randy Orton. It's not just some guy who's saying, yeah, I'll do it just to get more FaceTime. It's, it's right. like the guy who's the pure pro wrestler, which is so odd. But And he's been hey. on top for so long. It just seems yeah. so odd to see him being lowered to that silliness. Well, that's why he was bottoming for Alexa. Well, that makes, that makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, They'll get better as the shows go along. <laughs> So, yeah, that match happened, and it's apparently going to lead to Orton versus The Fiend in some sort of cinematic nonsense at WrestleMania. Can't wait for that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that's yeah. Uh, as L.A. Knight would say, yeah, <laughs> it's it's going to happen. I love L.A. Knight, by the way. I, I don't know how you feel about that guy. I mean, Eli Drake, whoever, whatever you want to call him. Right. Uh, I've only seen you know a little bit of his stuff, but I, I like him. So. Yeah, you you said you weren't a TNA guy. Um, he had this, uh, and, and if you can through the magic of your brilliant uh, mind, technologically. I mean, steel dummy, yeah, from Facts of Life. He had a uh, like a Piper's <laughs> Pit thing called Facts of Life. Uh-huh. And he would just ask, what do you think of, I don't know, whoever the hell was in TNA, Kurt Angle, and he'd hit a button, and it would be his voice saying, dummy, yeah. Dummy, yeah. Dummy, yeah. When you play it, you'll you'll get it. It's It's quite entertaining, at least to me. Dummy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as as uh, we go through the show, the other shows I do, like the Grenade, we do, you know, nineteen eighty. We're just finishing up nineteen eighty nine NWA right now on the Grenade. I've got a lot of fun sound bites from uh, Dan Spivey to Eddie Gilbert to some other guys. Some fun random sound bites of. That's <laughs> uh, cool. I'll be hitting you up on inboxes of things I remember that would just be funny to splurge into different things. But I love it, love it. Fucking a man, this is this is going good. I'm I'm getting comfortable. You're you know your shit. And cool. Absolutely. And we'll go into the main event. It's Universal Champion Roman Reigns taking on Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan deserves a spot like this. Guest referee is Edge. And here's the storyline as we head in. Daniel Bryan won at the Elimination Chamber to earn a title match with Reigns later in the night. Only later happened to be immediately after. So Bryan was beat down and Reigns winded up beating him in about a minute, minute and a half, something like that immediately after the chamber match. So Brian, Brian basically got screwed there, which led to Daniel Bryan beating Jay Uso on TV in a cage match in order to get this rematch here. And then they had another match on SmackDown edge versus Jay Uso to determine who was going to be the special outside enforcer referee edge wins that one. And now that's why we have edge at ringside here. I, I, I wasn't aware. I didn't watch SmackDown, so I wasn't aware. I'll let you do a match review because it was a damn good match. Um, but I wasn't aware he was allowed to be the referee. I thought he just won the option to stop interference or something, but go ahead. Yeah. It's like special enforcer or whatever, not whatever the hell they, they did with him out there. But yeah, he basically played the old, uh, outside referee role, the Mike Tyson role or the Muhammad Ali role. If you go back to WrestleMania one, yes, sir. The the match gets going and I, as much as I know these guys can have a good match, I just I never really get lost in the matches anymore in the WWE. Very, very, very seldom do I get lost in the matches anymore. They sucked me in. Uh, yeah. Just they're actually they were actually trying, and I'm not saying these guys don't always try, but they were really the story they were telling. It just it took like two three minutes of the match, and once it was just different because Brian was the one getting the upper hand early, both physically and mentally. He was working on Reigns's mind. I'm like, oh, psychology. You don't see that very often anymore. So I was yeah. hooked immediately early on. And then you got a lot of cool stuff. Brian doing that spot where he, he started contorting Reigns' arms, shoulders, bending him around old school wrestling, putting him down in that pinning combination, submission holds. I loved it, man. It was great stuff. And like Reigns was out of his element. He was like, shit, I don't know what to do. He, he kind of looked worried, which they haven't done at all with the character since he went heel. Right. Yeah, I enjoyed the shit out of that from a wrestling. It, it tapped into my wrestling fan, which is very abnormal these days. I, I, I would prefer, like I said, L.A. Knight saying, yeah, over like a 72-star match. But 
I, I actually went back into like, like you said, it sucked me in. Right. Um, and I, I like, and I noticed the difference last night consciously. Dave Meltzer, who I like, who's educated me since I was a young buck reading his newsletter, no pun. Um, but <laughs> he he loves the AEW style with the fast false finish, get back up, blah 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 blah. Right. And. I'm not going to lie. I watch it every week. I kind of like the change of pace. I like that there's another company, but when I saw the, the story told and the slow build and the, you know, everything was slower and you know, even the cover was slow. It was, and not too slow, not right. boring. Like right. just let it sink in and make the, I, you know, now I sound like I'm fucking, Bobby Duncan at a seminar or something, but uh, it makes sense uh, to me, man. Bobby Duncan. Wow. Just, what, a, what a random name <laughs> that just, I said names pop into my head just for no reason. But, um, yeah, it, it just, it had almost everything. And, uh, you know, like you said, it was different because the, the head of the table was kind of being, as they say, got the heat on him. Right. And, you know, the shine and all that was a little switched up and you didn't know what Edge was going to do. And I believe probably on Raw, it'll end up in a three-way. Is that yeah, is that the direction they're going? That's what your boy Demelts reported. And it's really, if that's not what they were going to do by the end of this, I would be like, what the fuck was the point of doing this then? Because that's exactly what it seemed like what they were going for. Yeah. I, uh, I I don't know. Is there, is there anything that I'm not aware of, like Daniel Bryan possibly retiring or? They or say his up, contract ends. Think. I heard I heard his contract ends somewhere around September, and so, that's he's kind of looking to be in done at that point. Done, done. Like, well, retire. never say never, but uh, I guess uh, as a full time performer, yeah. Interesting. Well, I, I know in a few promos he said it, it could be his last WrestleMania and all that. So those three guys, I mean, they could tear it up in the main event. Uh, is that the main event? I guess that's the official top match. Well, there's two shows. There's two nights. So it, I'm sure it'll headline oh, one right. of them. See, I'm, I'm so behind the times. I forgot that there was two. But that's certainly going to end one of the nights. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they got a shot to really fucking burn Still, the house down. Yeah, for so. the like the best match in quite a quite a long time, honestly. After what we saw tonight, if they can orchestrate something with all three of them that can somehow even equal this, if not better, it's going to be a hell of a match storyline wise. If they can tell a good story, which all these guys are capable of doing, you know? so as the match keeps going, it's back and forth. Reigns gets his. Brian goes for a top rope. Her and Kenrana. But Reigns catches him hanging upside down, jumps down, and locks it into a Boston Crab. I haven't seen that spot in a long time. That was an old mm -hmm. Jer Jericho-style spot there. It was kind of yeah. cool. They, they, I don't see that enough, honestly, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. uh, Brian countered that, turned that into a pin. Brian goes for Reigns' shoulder, goes to work on it, does the leap off the top rope, lands the knee down into the shoulder, locks in the yes lock repeatedly. I love that he kept going back to that submission hold, and Reigns was really selling it. Uh, locks it in a second time, and Reigns picks him up, and counters with a powerbomb as a Roman stumbles into the referee late in the match. Brian goes for the running knee, but Reigns moves, and Brian needs the ref. Yep. And, now, and now that means that Edge has to take over as referee. But it's back to the yes lock in the ring. Will Roman Reigns tap out? Jay Uso. Uso runs the ring and super kicks Edge, then lays out Daniel Bryan. Bryan then takes the chair from Uso and blasts him repeatedly with it. 
Brian then noticed the referee's down, so hey, he uses it on Roman Reigns too. Brian takes a big swing, but Reigns ducks. And Brian nails Edge instead, and Edge goes down from the chair shot. Reigns then sets up for the spear, but Brian counters it into the yes lock for the fourth time in the match. Roman sells. He tries to get to the ropes. He can't make it. And Roman Reigns has to tap out. It was unbelievable that they actually gave them this spot. They, they let Roman tap out here to put Daniel Bryan over. Of course, the referee's out, edges out, so nobody sees it. They don't call for the bell, but we know that Roman Reigns tapped out to the S-lock at this point. Yeah, and uh, when I watch wrestling with the aforementioned uh, on-again, off-again girlfriend who will probably end up my wife, somehow she mentally turns into a 14-year-old, and we probably watched it a little late, and she popped. He tapped, he tapped screaming at the referee uh, to wake up and screaming at Edge. Um, so even getting the casual fan into the story. Yes, yes. So it did suck her in, so to speak. I wish I could get sucked in one of these nights. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yeah, um, so it sucked her in. And uh, uh, then, you know, uh, clever finish, a, a great way. Um, it goes back to the earlier question about creative. I wonder who produced that match. Who do you think put that together? I don't know. I'm sure uh, Meltzer's going to say something about it. Hopefully. He usually talks about the big matches, who produces them and whatnot on the uh, up, the, the Observer that follows. So I- I'm curious myself. Uh, yeah, it, mean, I'll I be will. really interested because most of the guys, I don't know, it's it's uh, the guys you think that might produce a decent match don't, and the guys you think wouldn't sometimes do. But it seems like they put more than one guy in charge of the matches sometimes. If you want my honest opinion, who I think produced a lot of this match, I think it was the guys involved. Probably so, with probably a heavy edge. And, and I don't want to downplay Reigns because he's been in big matches for quite some time now. Probably all three. All three probably have great great wrestling minds, main evented. Well, Brian's had his hand in a lot of the, the storylines lately. The writing, I guess. I don't know that he's a writer, but they're listening to him. He got Cesaro pushed again. He has a lot of pull over there on SmackDown behind the scenes. No shit. Well, yeah. good for him. And, uh, you know, um, sh- she's a, the, the, my girl is a religious but total Bella's watcher. Mm-hmm. And tells as me as they, is my wife, sadly. They t- you know, I, I gotta admit, I watch some of those shows just to see like the backstage interaction of like, a random Miz, Dolph Ziggler, and Zack Ryder or something. Right, something right. stupid where I might pick up a tidbit. But, you know, she'll tell me they're living in Napa, and this one's prettier than the other, and uh, yada, yada, yada. But she, what I was wor- um, speculating is you retiring, is he going to AEW? She, that show would lead you to believe that uh, he may be retiring. Right. And they go into the finish, so Brian has Roman Reigns tapping, but there's no referee. Edge gets back up, grabs the chair, and blasts Daniel Bryan with it. And then he nails Reigns as well. At that point, it seems like Edge has snapped for whatever unknown reason, and he says, the belt is mine. This is mine. And he just leaves the ringside. And we get a third referee to come down as Roman Reigns rolls over on top of Daniel Bryan, makes the three count. Roman Reigns retains with the help of edge of all people match went about 30 minutes. Uh, and I love the post match as much as I love the finish Roman Reigns, facials were tremendous here. Like his face was like, he told the story without having to say anything. It was Holy shit. I tapped. I know this guy can beat me. 
It was a different. It was a different, different take of the Roman Reigns character since he's turned heel. Absolutely agree. I uh, I mentioned Meltzer. He he tends to go high higher on the AEW side, right? And uh, I, I'm interested to see in how he rates this because uh, it was a damn good match, damn good finish. Nothing wrong with it, man. I, I I enjoyed it as a wrestling match, and I'm not into matches as much as I used to be. Um, thumbs up from me for sure. And uh, quickly going sideways like I do. Um, Edge and even Christian now mm-hmm. in AEW. I love Edge and Christian as like a Beavis and Butthead. I watched every episode on the network of their stupid show. They have... Yeah, in my mind, and Tommy Dreamer is their sidekick, so he's an impact. So they got it all covered, but they have brilliant, stupid humor. If that makes any sense to anyone, yeah, and great throwback references that only people like you or I might get too. <laughs> right, uh, like obscure references which pop me, and like everybody else is like, "What are you laughing at?" Um, and I love that. I love them in that, but. And they're both great, you know, professional wrestlers, but I don't know. I like my goofy, retired Edge and Christian. Hopefully these uh, great stories and, and, you know, the great in-ring work that they can produce will change my mind a little bit in this WrestleMania season. But, God, I miss me some uh, what happened to Kayfabe. I don't know if you saw that show. Um, They had a running question with various wrestlers where's kayfabe what happened to kayfabe i forget the theme right. but yeah mick foley was like being investigated by edge and christian with a, a light bulb swinging by his head it was just fantastic humor yeah, uh, so they better, did that with they did that with virgil as well which exactly me. they just bring in <laughs> they just bring in random obscure people and it was hilarious shit but uh, i guess i gotta take them seriously for at least another month or two yeah, we'll see what happens. I think Christian's going to stay serious for a while. He seems like he's uh, wanting to really prove something on the way out the door. Yeah, did you remember that that Vince McMahon used to... Uh, I don't feel like doing Vince. You can do Vince after I tell you what he, what he said. Is it, is it the Blue Dot story? Uh, I'm not sure. It's it's the, the, the gist is that he hates Christian's face. Yes, it's the Blue Dot story, yes. Okay. Oh, his face, pal. Oh, looks like a rodent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah vince's idea was he wanted to could we just put a blue dot on, on his face and that would be his gimmick would, yeah on the screen so he hates christian's face uh christian uh showed up this i uh, see i'm going off topic again to aew but he showed <laughs> up that was a letdown um for oh, me that was it, aew's and, fault not christian's i uh, agreed that should on aew dynamite I'd have been popping like, you know, teenage girls in Virginia for Ricky Morton. Um, (laughs) But, you know, for a pay-per-view, it got me illogical, irrational, everything. Uh, I posted a Brock Lesnar or CM Punk that would be awesome, yada, yada. Uh, I mean, I think I was down to like Lee South. No, isn't it not a photographer? George South, I'm sorry. George South, right. I messed up my own own line. Lee South, like, takes pictures for uh, somebody, probably AEW. But uh, he's a photographer of some sort. But, yeah, um, 
we'll go back to WWE, but the, the big letdown on that, much like the exploding barbed wire and all that. But yeah, the next time we uh, shoot the shit about maybe dynamite or whatever the hell's coming first, we can maybe backtrack and talk a little bit about that. That works for me, absolutely. So uh, before we uh, wrap shit up here, I was uh, you said you watched the uh, Orton uh, Broken Skull session with the Orton. What was your take on that one? Well, my take is I wish I was the third man in the room so I could get some of that Jack Daniels Jack in the Dan- front. Oh, my God. They were down, huh? Hell, yeah. But uh, Orton, you know, uh, he's – that wife of his, uh, she's kind of changed him for the better, I guess. I mean, he's, you could still, you know, read between the lines that he's still got a little bit of douchebag in him. Yeah. But the douchebag ratio has lowered. Right, uh, immensely, but he's still he's still an ass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I Randy Orton's one guy I never like hung out with, or you know, I've never seen him out and about like as far as my memory goes. And I've seen just about everybody. He, I guess he was you know young when I wasn't around or whatever. But he seems like a cool dude to be around. I'm sure he has a lot of fucking funny ass stories like that he probably wasn't even allowed to tell on broken skull sessions. Oh, I'm sure. Um, Austin was, I don't know if you, how long you said you saw most of it, right? Right. Yeah. Austin was fucking wasted by the end. He was like just tilting his head sideways and (laughs) using like hand language that was just kind of like, uh, all over the place, but he was definitely fucked up. And I like that because then a shoot becomes a shoot when they're really face to face and are really feeling each other. And they're, you know, they're in that room. It's kind of like you and I tonight, like at the beginning, we were just kind of feeling each other out, but then we're starting to feel each other, you know, and the vibe and the the stuff we know and the the mutual feelings of uh, agreement and so forth. Right. Now, when there's beers involved on the weekend, we tape again, God knows what kind of entertainment we're going to produce. But but yeah, back to, back to the point at hand, Randy Orton, uh, Steve Austin, I guess Austin has help with production with the clips and so forth of what to put on when, and maybe, I don't know how that show is laid out, but yeah, well done by, by the timelines and so forth. Um, I said so forth too much. No, I gotta cut that out anyway, but uh, overall, I would say it's a must watch. If you really know something about professional wrestling if you're casual, if you're a dumb fuck, if you're a dummy, yeah. Dummy, yeah. Dummy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had to say that. Um, then don't watch it. But but if you really want to learn something, because he was complimentary to the guys that helped him, and he didn't put over too many young guys, but he was pushing Drew and telling some personal stories, some some old school road stories, and fully admitted that he was given you know the but, job and the, yeah. the push. And everything was handed to him and he yeah. got away with yeah. shit that probably others probably wouldn't have and that I really blew me away when he no showed uh the wrestlemania run through the, the 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 revelation last night or did you were you aware of that before no i didn't i never i never heard that before yeah i didn't either uh, uh and you know his old man was there for christ's sake and everybody else yeah, I mean that had to be disappointing on so many levels. You let you let everybody down. You let the company down. You let yourself down. You let the Undertaker down, and your dad's standing there too. Yeah, and uh, you know that maybe 
can count them on one hand of guys that could get away with that and still, like he said, not get fired. That's what, yeah, that's what he said. He he openly admitted that. <laughs> Anybody else probably wouldn't have had a job. Yeah. So, I mean, just a, a good Broken Skull Sessions, as far as I can recall, might be the best. Might be the one I enjoyed the most. I mean, I liked Undertaker, but I, I, I preferred Undertaker on Joe Rogan because it was kind of outside of wrestling. Right. And, and he was more just like Mark, this big athlete guy who kind of explained things to Rogan. And, you know, Rogan was like talking about roids to him and shit like that. But yeah, for Broken Skull Sessions, I would I would give it two thumbs up. Yeah, I would too. And I'm not I'm not a Randy Orton fan by any means. I'm not into his style. I'm not, <laughs> I feel like his entrance is longer than The Undertaker sometimes by the time he gets, yeah. gets, gets to the ring. Um I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm down with psychology. I feel like some of the shit he does, and he de- he defended that on that that broken skull too about uh, all the stuff he does when he locks people into moves. They're not rest holds because he's doing this and doing that. I feel like he still does too much of that for my taste personally. Right. I'm not a flippy guy, but I am also not a sit on rest holds for ten minutes kind of guy either. So yeah, I, hear I love that. I you know that's that's day and night. I, I can really go back more than twenty years. The early RF video. Um, shoot series, you know, before we found out he was a pedophile anyway. And um, <laughs> Jack Victory did a shoot, and I go, oh, I don't want to see a fucking Jack Victory shoot for. Her. I mean, I love Jack. I mean, I loved him with John Tatum anyway, but I was like, eh, what is he going to tell me? And I'm so ignorant that, duh, he was he was there, you know, when all this shit, you know, all these mm-hmm. companies and shit. So by the time I got done with it, that's when I learned it doesn't matter what you think about him in the ring. I mean, these guys, you know, they, they've lived it, you know, so. Yeah, I know uh, Steve Carino. He now he's finally doing well down there. He's always did well. He went to Japan seventy five times or some shit, but uh, never fully got over the hump. And now he's doing the NXT, as I'm sure you know. Right. And uh, I went to one of his. He was promoting up here, and I went to one of his deals. And he he was a big Jack Victory guy. I don't know where their friendship evolved. ECW was that ECW where I might have yeah. met. They were together, um, yeah. They they were a group, if you want to call it that. And I actually met a wrestler, Matt Stryker, who's now the commentator on Impact and the same guy that was the commentator on uh, WWE or whatever. But um, Victory, drinking beers, drinking shots, and telling stories, that was fucking great, man. Oh, I bet. I bet. I, and once I saw that shoot, I'm like, this guy's like the guy you want to go hang out with and listen to stories. Yeah, man, it was killer. And um, as far as RF goes, uh, can't confirm or deny. All, all I know is that what everybody knows from that uh, action news footage, and that certainly wasn't good. But <laughs> that that tells you the character of pro wrestlers. I think CM Punk is like the only wrestler. It was CM Punk and Samoa Joe for a while, but I think even Joe spoke to him afterward and i think everyone has spoken to him since so i believe that yes i mean they've yes, all they most of them have done business with him since then but again yes. it goes back to like you said the character of a pro wrestler it's just the way the the carny business works man you know I, i'm a hypocrite because i was at one of them conventions and gangrel was in a picture with me and rob was there and i was just like okay and i got a fucking picture with him so i i can't I can't talk about them. I pretty much did the same thing, but at least I didn't uh, hang out with them and ask where the kids are. Uh, wow. But there's that. Yeah, Rob Feinstein, <laughs> name blast from the past. Actually, 
I do have to I do have to kayfabe him. I have to kayfabe him and or maybe uh, if if anybody listens to I think the business is about to pick up because I'm going to plug it everywhere. So hopefully we'll get a lot of listeners. But if you're out there and you hear this, Cactus Back, that's correct. I didn't say it wrong. Cactus Back as opposed to Cactus Jack. Wrestling is a channel on YouTube. And they have these NWA matches when I was involved as a manager for Carl Uzo. Oh, wow. But unfortunately, there was they have the 1994 shows. Like I'm on there with uh, Lawler against Tom Brandy, and we had Queen Destiny in our corner and stuff. But I was involved in a lot of the finish, leg on the rope type shit. And I love all that nostalgic shit that I used to do. You know what I mean? And right. So I was searching and searching for four hours the other night. But that same night, it isn't shown. I searched everywhere, but they have to have it if they have that show, that card, so to speak. Before the first thing in that show, it was Jerry Lawler and I, because I picked him up and we drove over, we had dinner, etc. And a, a pre-murderous Chris Benoit mm-hmm. was in the ring and we reenacted the Mexican angle where uh, Jerry had a mask on and I was his interpreter um, giving Chris Benoit a plaque for all his uh, global accomplishments, and then Lawler just fucking shoot cracked him with the fucking plaque, <laughs> ammunition that he was going to murder his family. Now the old and, Austin Idol Lawler. Yeah, it was the same. Basically, Dennis copied the angle, but I was fucking yeah. flattered to be involved in it with those two fuckers, and I got I got to beat up the ring announcer, got to put the boots to Benoit. Can't find it. So if anybody can fucking, it's it's it, Cactus Back videos on YouTube, whatever the fuck they are. If you know them, if you're listening, please get a hold of me at TR Shock on Twitter. Well, I'm going to go on YouTube and hit them up, send them a message and see if I can get a hold of them for you too. Sounds hey, fun. I'd love to see that. I mean, that angle, that's another one of those angles, man. It just makes me pop. You know, it's uh, you go back, Dusty and the Assassin did it, and then Austin Idol and, and Lawler stole it, and... Uh, it, they, it was tremendous. I, I, you know, I popped when DDP and Johnny B bad did the old forefront tires gimmick yeah. in, in the mid nineties. I was like, Oh shit. Awesome. There's old yeah. angles, man. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, it's one of those, be careful what you wish for on my end, because that I want to see pretty badly. And I think it, it shines a good light on me, a positive light, because I, I believe I spoke well and I believe I laid the shit into the people and I believed it really looked like an angle. Mm-hmm. Um, However, obviously those two were the stars, but I was a supporting cast member, but, um, it was to set up cause later in the evening it was Benoit Funk, which is also on this stream of videos. But the next time we came back, I forget if it was monthly, it was in Woodbury, New Jersey. We, I think we were every month, but we might've been bi-monthly or something. It was to set up Lawler versus Benoit and that I want to see as well, but I don't know if I want the world to see because (laughs) I came in, uh, after the match, I think I I, I was involved in the finish or some shit. And then Lawler decides to improvise on the fly and tells me, go get him while Benoit is selling. And I was like barely trained on just the basics. And Benoit at that time was like regarded as one of the top five workers in the world. Right. And I got to go over there with 
like a, a manager, you know, with the mullet, and I weighed all like <laughs> one eighty five back then. And I, 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 quite frankly, I didn't know what to do, so I was just like, I kind of he was half standing. I kind of picked him up, and I called the spot block it because I was thinking he would block me punching him and then deck me, and then I could be out of the situation. I just roll out of the ring or whatever. He didn't hear, so I threw, uh, and they always teach you, if you're throwing a punch, throw it. Because if you're expecting it to be blocked and it's not, it's going to look stupid. So if you're throwing it, throw it like you're throwing it. But I threw it as a youngster like it was supposed to be blocked. And I can't imagine how that looks on video. Maybe that's why it doesn't exist. Maybe somebody saved my reputation. But <laughs> People it, don't do that in the wrestling business. They like to tarnish. So maybe it is out there somewhere. Yeah, maybe it's why I never got a, a six-figure job in WCW or WWE when I knew everybody back then. But yeah, I'd love to see that shit. So uh, we'll try to not- make it happen. I'm I'm curious. I want to see it myself. So I'm gonna go find this cactus back character. And if anybody out there listening knows anything about this video footage, make sure you hit us up. You can DM me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade, or you can DM Tom on Twitter at TR Shock. Yes, sir. Um, and. Like, I don't want to uh, selfishly just talk about these middle of their giant collection on there. They've got some Japanese matches from, like, the 70s and shit. That whoever is the is or are the owners of this YouTube uh, channel have, have a lot of rare matches. A lot of, a lot of cool shit, dude. Yeah, I love watching the old Japanese stuff, 70s, 80s, early to mid-90s. I, I kind of tapped out in Japan in like around, around 2003 when they expanded into like 40 different promotions. I'm like, I can't do this. But Right. I was a big Jumbo Saruta guy back in the day. I can see why. And Satoru Sayama was like really one of my favorites. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Not, not that good of a person, but... Um, That's what I hear. Know. Yeah, he's he's... Not known for being the nicest guy, but damn, could he work uh, in that in that realm, that style. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. We got anything else, bud? I don't know. That's all I got on tap for today. I mean, it was just kind of a tryout, a pilot of sorts. So I didn't really have a whole lot in the can for this one other than just some basic news that broke over the last 24 hours and then the old pay-per-view. Other than that, I think we're good for this first right. going. Hope you enjoyed uh, yourself, Tom. Hope, you have, hope you're going to come back and do this again. Yeah, I did. It took me, you know, a little bit to... Uh, just loosen up from, you know, just regular life activities and watching Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks, not to be confused confused with Bobby Jaggers and Dutch Mantel from That's NWA. Right. Yeah. Uh, just got blasted by USC, so the mood was a little sour. Um, but well, I'm not Dutch, Dutch and Bobby like lost a lot too during that era. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. And R.I.P. Bobby Jaggers. But yeah. In the beginning, it was a little, uh, I, just from my end, you were you were a pro. I mean, you've been at this consistently. I was just kind of getting my feet back wet, so to speak. But now I feel like we could go all night. But we're done. So we'll, we'll, see, on the, <laughs> we'll see on the next show. Tom, I really appreciate you giving this a try. And I can't wait to do this again. I'm going to come up with a slew of shit. And every time you think of something, just drop me a line and I'll jot it down. And anybody has any questions for Tom or wants to hear anything that Tom's talked about in the past, maybe elaborate more on that. Do drop me a line at wrestling grenade on Twitter, or you can talk to Tom directly. Like I said, at TR shock on Twitter and Tom, if you have any other way you want them to get a hold of you, you can tell them right now. Um, telegraph, telephone, tell a wrestler. No, that's how um, it works. 
Yeah, I'm cool with Twitter. At TR Shock, you know, I'm sure when I was on the other show, there was a parody account of me, uh, TR Shockmaster. <laughs> and this motherfucker, oh, took, this motherfucker took, like, searched through a thousand pictures in my Facebook and put me in Pat Patterson and was saying <laughs> I love Pat Patterson and shit. And in hindsight, it was kind of funny, but some of the things were real personal, and I actually, to a point, wanted to kill this person. So oh. if you're still out there, I don't want to murder you, but you might want to fess up to who you are. Uh, instead, they'll probably return. Now that you've returned, <laughs> well, they I, have, I have a better, more mature attitude now. Plus, I'm a pussy. I haven't lifted or fucking did any <laughs> kind of training, so... I need to, uh, what, what do you do, right? Do you fight? Do I fight now? No, I'm done. I know you're a family <laughs> man, got, but do you do like got... all karate or anything? No, not in years. Well, with, uh, these, with these fitty kids around, man, I just, uh, <laughs> right, kinda... we, need, we need to get a 31-year-old then to fight our battle. That'll work. I can do that. All right, let's just I'll, fight everybody verbally. That works for me. I can do that. I'll, I'll okay. figure something out. We'll with locate that, someone. I'll let you do the outro, sir. Yes, absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening, downloading, subscribing this episode. We hope to be back very soon. Tom Robinson, I thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, and I can hope we continue here on TR Shocks the World. <laughs>